It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is CEO Simon Lee. Simon is an entrepreneur, philanthropist, speaker, and author, and he's a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin, Dallas Theological Seminary, and Harvard Business School. In August of 2004, Simon founded Buy On Purpose with one specific goal, to donate 50% of the company's profits to support Christian organizations focused on fighting human trafficking, providing clean water, and adoption foster care. Simon is married to Faye for over 14 years, and they have two wonderful children, Isaac and Mariella. Simon Lee, welcome into the corner office. Thank you for having me. Uh, great to have you here today. And you know, as we talked a little bit before you came on, we share a common background in our membership with C12 and uh, a wonderful organization that I'm a, for pretty much a newbie to. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit as we go through your background. But uh, it is a faith-based organization in the marketplace with uh, companies and CEOs that uh, form a roundtable. And gosh, I think there's about 2,500 of us now. And Simon and I met through that organization, and it's just wonderful to have you here with us. I heard parts of your story uh, through some of the training we have, and we, we touched on that a little bit. And again, I'm just really, really excited and so grateful to have you with us. And what we like to do is kind of start with the early years. Uh, tell us a little bit about you know where you grew up, what your family life was like early on. Yeah, I, um, I grew up in Taiwan, and my family... Um, brought us over in 1983 when I was eight years old. All right, right, and, cool. And my dad and my mom, they wanted to give me and my sister a better future. Yeah, and so yeah. Um, ta Taiwan now is very vibrant, uh, very, it's a growing country, but back then in the, in the 70s and 80s, it was a struggling country. And so, so my father really wanted to uh, give us a better future. So in 1983, we moved straight from uh, Taiwan to Houston, Texas. And I've been at Texans ever since. Big change. Where did you grow up in Taipei, Kaohsiung? What type? What city? Um... Yeah, I grew up in. I grew up in a in a in a city in south of Taiwan called Tainan. Tainan. Mm -hmm. And I and I grew up in in Taipei, the capital of Taiwan. Right. Right. Terrific. Well, I lived in Asia for about a decade, and part of my territory was Taiwan. So I awesome. had the opportunity to go there many times and visited a number of cities. Wonderful country. I, I think I saw it after its development because this was the '90s and. Uh, things were on fire there. The economy was crazy. Uh, tell us a little bit about your parents, you know, brothers and sisters. Sounds like you have one sister um, and, and, you know, kind of focusing in how they influenced you growing up, uh, uh, you know, both from perhaps a spiritual development, a moral upbringing, you know, or the kinds of things that you remember from those early years. Yeah, my sister is pretty easy. She's eight years younger <laughs> than me. And so okay. 
So when you have an eight-year-old younger sister, I influence her more than she influenced me. And so <laughs> I can imagine that's a that's a quick one. But but my parents, um, they are a very hardworking immigrant family. I think I I, I remember when we first arrived to the United States, um, I I um, hardly saw my parents um, because they work sometimes till nine o'clock, ten o'clock. And so my grandmother, uh, my grandmother raised me. Or did she come over with the family? She did. She did. She lived. She she knew that we were gonna need help, uh, especially in the first few years, and so they worked really, really hard. I remember working for my father um, in, in elementary school and even in middle school, carrying containers, unloading containers of goods, and uh, working in the Texas sun. You know, and so just learning, learning hard work, learning sweat. I mean, learning how to, learning how to uh, to just really make a dollar. You know, and so I learned that at a very young age. Now, uh, grandmother was on father's side, mother's side. Uh, it's my mother's side. Yeah, it's my it's a mo- my mother's mother. Uh, she lived with us for for several years. I was gonna say you probably spent a lot of time with her, right? So she was the kind of the care caregiver when you came home from school or got you out the door with breakfast in the morning. Was it that kind of a relationship? Yes, for sure. She she did everything for us. And what was she like? Yeah, tell us a little bit about her personality and you know her values. Yeah, she um, really was there to to take care of me, uh, but at the same time to really keep the household harmony. You know, my parents came back and, and, they're, and they're tired from work. And so she had to do a lot of the work at home. And, and so when I came home, she was there to greet me. And, and when I leave uh, for school, uh, she was there to greet me off. And so she was always there. Um, but at the same time, there was a need. Um, and I felt a need stronger and stronger as I grew older that, uh, that you know, my, my parents weren't there for the most vibrant part of my year. Um, but you know, there, there was some resentment there, but growing, as I grow older and as I become a father myself, I realized that they really had no choice. Um, many, many of the immigrants, you know, know, we had to work hard or else there is no food on the table. That's right. And so I understood as I grow older, I understood that part of the sacrifice. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I'll, uh, having lived a decade in Asia, I really grew to appreciate the multi-generational family. Um, you know, I lived in Singapore for most of those years and traveled throughout and, you know, it was kind of different at first to hear, well, you know, grandma and grandpa, they live with us. And, you know, my brothers and sisters, even some of them got married and still lived in the home. And I'm like, wow, you know, that's so different than our Western philosophy. But, you know, there's a lot of usefulness there. And I think we've had a couple other Asian immigrants on the show. Helen Fu Thomas is one who kind of was the same thing, raised by her grandfather because her parents were hardworking. Did your parents have to leave a, a, a business behind or did they discover a new business when they came over to Texas? Yeah, they started a brand new business. Uh, the business that they had in Taiwan, they they gave it over to to family members. And so so two of my, two of my aunties are running it. Um, but when he came over to Houston, he started a brand new business and it, it was in the office supply industry. And so that's that's how I got into the business and that's how I learned the industry well from a young age. Carrying those boxes out in the hot Texan sun. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> Any other early influencers other than grandma and, and you know, to a certain degree, your parents? Were there, you know, teachers that stood out or coaches or anyone that in particular you remember from those early years that had an influence on your direction? Yeah, I remember my art teacher being very influential because um, she she made me uh, one of her teacher assistants, which I work with her closely. And she really encouraged me to do my very best. And, and you know... You know, my father at a young age really taught me how to do how to work hard, but at the same time, you know, um, not not overdoing it. In in a sense that on the weekend I spent quality time with my parents. Um, my my mother always picked me up from school, and so 
so uh, so even though they are they are busy, even though they are um, they are um, really focused on the on the business, they really had a I would say a healthy balance in in family and business at the same time. So I That's really nice. appreciate so she'd, that. She'd pick you up from school, but take you home to grandma and then go back to work. Sometimes she'll go back to work and sometimes she'll stay, you know? And so it depends on what kind of day she had. Yeah. Yeah. Did they work together or were they, did they have separate businesses they pursued? Man, it's, it's amazing. They worked together for 35 years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's a marriage. It, it is. It, 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 it makes a marriage or it breaks a marriage. You uh, know? Absolutely. And so absolutely. They're, they're still together. And so they love each other. So, yeah. That's awesome. I have, uh, two, have had two businesses. One when my wife was, was boss and I worked for her. That's when we first got married. Unfortunately, that business didn't make it through the recession. And now she works for me. Yes. And to be honest, I kind of liked it the other way around when she was the boss. Yes, <laughs> <So> yes. <laughs> it has its upsides. Are family involved in your business today? Some of your family? No, I'm, I, I started myself. And so, but to go back to my parents real quick, um, I told my father that the greatest gift that they gave me was that they stayed together. And, and, and I just, I have so many friends that are in broken families. So I just, I feel just a deep blessing on, on that. But no, I... I, when, when I started this company, you know, I, you know, I didn't have any family help at all. So, yeah. Let's go back to your school years. Were you a good student? Is that important and stressed in the home? You know, most Asian students are smart and they work hard. And I was quite the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really, um, really liked basketball, really liked sports and, and I really liked to be part of the, the, the there's a lot of clubs in my high school and really joined most of them. So extracurricular things, what, what type of clubs, what types of things did you do? We had, um, number sense, uh, math count. I was in orchestra. I was in tennis. I was in football. I was in basketball. So just all Very kinds active. of stuff. Yes. So I'm thinking kind of a B student, right? Yeah. B student it, it, <laughs> enough to get me to the university of Texas, you know, it just, just good enough to get in. So did you go to UTIP? Did you go to Austin? Uh, yes. I, uh, yes. I went to UT. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Great. Great school. Um, what about entrepreneurial things? Um, you know, it sounds like you work for mom and dad and, you know, if they paid you anything, it was probably room and board, right? But, uh, you know, did you do things where you earned some spending money on your own? Did you have the ubiquitous paper route or, you know, sell Christmas cards or any of that type of thing? Or, or what was your all, all of your time out pretty much helping out mom and dad? Yeah, it was helping out mom and dad. But in the summertime, they encouraged me to get a summer job. So my first job was with McDonald's. Making bur making burgers, <laughs> flipping burgers, flipping you know? burgers. All yeah, right. my, that's great. My entire right arm was was shattered with um, oil <laughs> oh, popping goodness. popping to my skin. You know, that's how I. And you know, you know, back then, you know, I it was like the minimum wage was like two seventy five or three dollars, and so you worked the entire summer to make three hundred dollars. You know, and it, it it was it was tough. It was tough, but I learned a lot in in those um part-time jobs that I had. What other kinds of jobs did you work uh, during those summer months? Anything other than McDonald's or was that the mainstay? Uh, McDonald's was pretty mainstay because they'll hire anybody and everybody. And so <laughs> it was, it was easy to get a job there. Yeah. Kind of a foregone conclusion to go to college. Uh, did, did mom and dad have university degrees? Yeah, they did. They graduated from university in Taiwan. So, so education and, and university is, is not, a, you have to go. I mean, it's not, you cannot not go, you know? And so so yeah, college was definitely it. And um, it was a non-negotiable. It was a non-negotiable. How did you pick uh, uh, UT? Proximity, great school, in-state tuition, or was there other things that drew you there from a, a you know major, a major standpoint or a business study standpoint? Yes, most most of my friends um, applied to four or five different schools. I applied to I applied to one school. <laughs> it was and, a single source yes, project. Um, 
I, I heard many great things about the university. I have many friends that went there. So I said to myself, you know, I really wanted to go somewhere far enough from home, but not too far where I need, when I need some money, I could get back and come back and get some money. So, you know, back then there is no wiring, there's no electronic transfer. You got to get a check, you know, you got to get a physical check. And so whenever I'm <laughs> Nobody low on- Nobody gave an, a- an ATM, no, right? No, go no. Up to a when, gas I, when I'm low on money, I just drive back and ask my parents for some money, you know? So, <laughs> but, but, but the University of Texas is a great school. I, I really recommend people that are looking to schools look into that. Yeah. How did you pick a major? You decide what you wanted to study. I think the business bug is just in my DNA, my blood. You know, my my, my grandfather was a businessman. My dad was a businessman, and so um, I just really enjoy it. E- even even at a young age, you know, selling things to my friends, you know, for a penny or a nickel. I mean, I just enjoy that, you know. And and so um, so yeah, I I knew the business school was pretty strong at UT, and so I decided to go that route at a very young age. Yeah, yeah. What was the first job out of college? I worked for Trilogy Software, and um, remember they, them? They they are they are bankrupt now, but it's not because of me. Um, <laughs> I'm sure not. <laughs> but um, I worked. They were there. big at the time, though. They were. They were one of the big players. Yes, yeah, I remember them. Yes, and um, worked for them for a year, and then my dad um, called me and said uh, he needed some help in his company, and I saw so I, I worked for him for about seven years. Leadership opportunities and responsibilities early on on either job. How, how long were you with, with Trilogy after you got out? Just a couple of years? Or? Yeah, I, I was with Trilogy for one year, and I immediately went to work for my dad. I worked for my dad right after that, yeah. But but yeah, my dad my dad allowed me full reign in the very beginning, just allowed me to create culture and leadership and all that. So I learned a lot from him, but he allowed uh, a, a lot of um, latitude and, and, and allowed me to grow and to lead. So I really appreciate him on that. What were some of those early leadership lessons you got from dad? One thing that I that I really um, appreciated him on is unity and harmony. Hmm. I see a lot of teams where where you have maybe twenty people and one person's bad and it just destroys the entire team, you know. And 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 my dad taught me that unity is above all everything else. If if you don't have harmony, if you you don't have unity then you can't run a company. It's going to be toxic environment. And so, so that became you know, one of my top values when I started this company was making sure that everybody's on the same page. Everybody is caring for the same thing, working together for the same goal. And, and so that, that became our, our DNA. It sounds almost spiritual. Was, was dad a, a faith-based man? He was. He was a faith-based man. But, um, but he, he did not uh, transfer some of the faith principles back into the company because he felt like the business and personal is completely separate. And so, so that, uh, that is why C12 has really uh, been a, a blessing for me in, in combining the personal and the business together, you know, so that's, well, that's unity and harmony is, is pretty biblical. Right? It is biblical. I mean, we could, we could say biblical. that that is infusion of a, yes. a very standard principle. It Did is. you grow up in the church? Was that something that mom and dad uh, took the time off for on the weekends? Yeah, so when we came, we were we were Buddhists, and so we went we went to temple growing up as a kid in Taiwan. But um, when I came over here in Houston, we were invited to Tallywood Baptist Church, a, a local church here in Houston, and so um, I got baptized there. And so that's how that's how um, um, my faith journey started at the age of thirteen. And mom and dad also went into the, the Baptist church. Yes, we all got baptized the same day, actually. So worked for dad and then pretty much went on the entrepreneurial path after that? Uh, or did you work for other companies before going to your you know current position and doing the things you've been doing the most recently? So what, when I was working for my father, um, 
since at the age of 19, I was able to go on short-term missions trip, specifically uh, poverty-stricken countries. And so serving the poor. Um, where did you go, so Simon? It, every, where were some of the places you went? I, I've been to 15 different countries. So it's it's quite a lot. Was that yeah. from the Baptist and, church and so, or was it something that from a community standpoint you got involved with? How did, the, how did those come to you? Yeah, when I was in college, it was through my church. And then when I graduated from church, um, I got hooked up with the organization, organization called E3. They're based in Dallas. And so, um, so yeah, so it just went on at least one or two trips a year. And these trips um, shaped me who, of who I am and how this company started. And, and so um, at the age of 28, I came back from one of these trips, uh, specifically in Kenya, Africa. And then I started to have a dream with a number 50. So that's that, and 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 the dream of the number fifty was recurring. Now, uh, I would say most of our dreams they occur one time and one time only. But my occurred thirty days wow. straight. And so the and number was the number flashing. fifty kept coming up. Is that what it was? Yes. Wow. Um, it's it's like a neon yeah. neon light in Las Vegas. Wow. It would flash uh, at night and wake me up in the, in the middle of the morning, at two o'clock in the morning, it would wake me up. And so it would happen for thirty days straight. And so I, you know, I, I began to really um, um, pray and ask God what, what, what this is all about. And, and so um, three, three months later, I, I hashed out a business plan to donate 50% of our profit away based on this dream that I had. So that's how, that's, that's how this giving I remember out, hearing you know? that from your testimonial. Oh, that's awesome. So, so the, the answer came back and said, well, it's pretty simple, dude. You're going to give away half your profits. <laughs> yeah, yes. And, and. And I and I told my father about this, this yeah, dream. What did and, he say? <laughs> and he was he was very very disappointed. Very disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. I can very imagine. disappointed. Yeah. He. Oh my. He wanted yeah. me to take over the company. You know. Yeah. <laughs> he had started having second thoughts about yes, that. Yes. That's it. Oh my gosh. Great. So then, is that when you went out on your own and and started a new business, or yeah? How well, did that? Tell us a little bit about that transition from dad's business to your own. I, I I tell people all the time. I said if if God gives us a vision or a dream. We have to honor God and be patient with it because he will never negate his word. And his word tells us to honor our father and mother. And so I told my dad, I said, I said, I know this vision is from God, but I wanted to honor you. So why don't you and mom pray and see if this is from the Lord? And so three months later, they, they prayed and they fasted. And they came back with a check of $50,000. Wow. To help me start this company. Help you start it. Yeah. Say, well, so you want to go do this and give half away? Here you go. Here's your seed money. Yeah. But what's, <laughs> what's, what's even more important than that is they give up their dream for their only son to take wow. over the company. So wow. that was more of a sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was a big deal. Did your daughter, uh, daughter, did your sister get involved in the business at all? Yeah. Or? So, so my sister, after she graduated from college, she took over the company. And she took over. Well, mm-hmm. there you go. They yeah. had a plan B. Huh? They had God, a plan God B. had a plan B that we didn't know about. <laughs> yes. Yes. Tell me about the first time you started managing people, Simon. Was that at dad's business or, or, or more on your own when she got started? Yeah, I think it's more on my own. Um, my, uh, my dad managed his team pretty well. And so I kind of stayed out of that. But um, <laughs> um, I think, you know, you know, actually, uh, first management was when I was 21 in college. I was able to manage a group of students, 10 leaders and about 500 students uh, organization. And that was the first time I experienced large-scale leadership. And so I think even that one situation, that one year of leadership really helped me and translated and helped me to 
to know how to lead well, you know, and so. What were some of the lessons you learned in that particular instance? Because that's quite young, particularly have that group of people. Yes, yes, it is. It is quite young. Um, I, I vividly remember that um, everybody's opinion is important. Right. And, 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 and sometimes people don't want you to do everything that they tell you to do. So, for example, if, if they tell you something, as a leader, we must hear them out. Right. True. Sometimes people just want to be heard. They, it's not necessarily you have to do what they say, but, 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 they, but they need to be heard. And, and so I learned, I learned from a young age is that to, to care for people, that's, that's one of the ways to care for people is that you have to sit down and listen to their cares and listen to their concern. So and, true. And, and as a leader, we have to tell them, you know what, that's a great concern. Uh, if, if it's feasible, we'll definitely implement it. But if it's not, we might need to do it later. And so, so we never promise anything that we can't do. And we always make it very feasible and, and so that it's, it's a mutual understanding you know, in that, in that conversation. So where'd you pick up that lesson? Was that something you saw maybe exhibited by mom and dad at home? Uh, did your wife teach it to you? Uh, was there other instances where, you know, you got uh, maybe that imprint from someone else? Cause that's a great, that empathetic tool is a very important one. I can do that more often at home. I know for sure. Yeah, it is, <laughs> you know, you know, it, it is a very important one. It, it works well in marriage, obviously, but you know, I, you know, I learned that from my dad, but I also, um, Learned that from organizations that were toxic on 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 campus. You know, on 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 campus, you have several organizations that are dysfunctional, and so um, and leaders feel like they that they're bossy. They have to tell people what to do, and so these type of culture, these these toxic culture, is you know sometimes you could learn from people that succeeded, but sometimes you can even learn more from people who have failed, and so so I I tend to like to learn from people who have made mistakes. You know. We, we tend to learn a lot more during that time. So, so was that one that you saw? Yes. Kind of in the opposite, right? Yes. People that didn't listen. Yes. Were kind of steamrollers. Yeah. Yeah. I could see where that was important. Terrific. Well, that's a great skill. How would you say your leadership's evolved over time? You know, from the days of Trilogy, working with dad, and now how many people in your current organization, Simon? We have eight. Eight. Cool. So, so you know, tell us a little bit about that journey. How has, uh, how has your leadership changed? I was share. I, I, I was just sharing one principle with our team this morning. We we open up in the word of prayer and encouragement every morning, in our company. And so we we um, before the encouragement and prayer time, we also do some sharing. How's our day? How's our how's our night with our family? So we share a little bit about that. And and so the one principle that I was sharing was that um, with we've been around for fourteen years. And I said I told the team I said the first. The first 10 years, I would be stressing out if we lose an account <laughs> or if we don't close a deal. And, 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 and I focus on the end product more than the process itself. W what I mean by that is we can't control the ending. We can't control profit, but we can certainly control the process, making sure that each department's process and execution is all done with excellence. And, and when we do that, Top line is going to grow. Bottom line is going to grow automatically. We don't need to stress out over that. And so I think I think the first ten years, I really focused too much on how do you generate revenue, how do you generate profit, and I and I stress out over that. Instead, my focus and my attention should be on on how do we make sure that it's five star customer service in every part of our business, our website, our sales, our customer service, our delivery, making sure that every part of the component of our company is successful. So therefore, the revenue and the referrals and all that will come naturally. 
flows and from so, it. Yeah. So yeah. So that's that's one thing that I I feel like that I changed quite a bit. You know, these past four or five years. Yeah. How do you decide uh, if it's time to micromanage or or stay out of someone's sandbox, Simon? Wow, that's a that's a deep question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I struggle with that. Uh, like many people, is that leaders we tend to like to be in control. I think as you get older and as you mature more with age, you realize that we are really not in control. There's a lot of things that we simply cannot control in business. There are certain things that we can, but there are certain things that we can't. And so we want to focus on the things that we can, and we, we don't want to focus on the things that we can't. And so, so you're talking about micromanaging. You know, I, you know, one thing that I struggled with in the beginning was micromanaging, making sure that everything Everything is touched by my hand, you know? <laughs> right, right. And, and, and we know as a company grow in size, that has to be less and less or else your company simply cannot grow. And so what that really means is that you have to allow mistakes. When people make mistakes, we have to understand that that's part of it. And when we do make mistake, we sit down, we talk about it and we make, we try to, you know, try to say, let's, how do we avoid that in the future and not be shameful or condemning? You know, that, 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 that condemning nature and that shameful nature is something that is so negative in a culture. And so, so even, even in a mistake, we can encourage people with it. I don't think you need to be shameful or condemning because people really don't learn when, when, when they feel bad about themselves. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about company culture, you know, and your thoughts on that, the importance of it or, or lack of importance of it in your organization. Yeah, our three cultures, excellence, integrity, and selflessness. Mm-hmm, and th- mm-hmm. these are the three qualities that we had since day one. And so when we hire people, we look for these three qual- qualities. And so um, in order to create a culture, the leader has to have that culture in them. If you want to do the, the culture of excellence, and if you're not excellent yourself, forget it. Because people could see it through you, and you cannot fake things out. And so I often ask leaders that cannot implement cultures well, I always ask them, are you living that culture within yourself? And even more importantly, are you living that culture privately in your family, in in, in your marriage? Because we could pretend someone that we're not at the office and and be someone someone else at home, but people could really see that. People could could feel that, you know? And so so are we consistent in our culture? Are Are we being hypocritical? And so if we're consistent, people will buy in so much more easier than if we're trying to fake, fake, fake it, you know? And so, so I, you know, I think the key to culture is to live it out. If you live it out, that culture is going to naturally permeate throughout your company. What would you say is unusual or, or unique about your culture at Buy On Purpose, Simon? Man, I don't think there's anything unique about us, you know, because we, <laughs> you know, we like to copy people that are successful, you know? I, for example, we say uh, "my pleasure" instead of "we are welcome," and that's copy from that's copy from Chick Fil A. You know, when you go to when you go to Chick Fil A, you say "you're welcome, um, my pleasure." And so a lot uh, a lot of the things that we do around here are things that I've read in books, and, and sometimes I see great leaders doing. Um, but you know, I think one thing that's unique is selflessness. I don't I don't think this culture this this world this culture is is um, very uh, common in, in 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 corporate America, and so selflessness. What, what, what we're trying to say is that when we come to work, um, we want to put everything in front of us, and that's first, even our customers first, even our own team members first. And when we, when we are serving in that fashion, it is when we get the most joy. 
because because the world will teach us oh, you you, you got to be number one or else you, you got to look out for yourself or else you're not going to get what you want uh, but but scripture tells us differently and in fact um, you know when I serve my kids I get a lot of joy out of that and, and, because there's something something about giving yourself away that is and and scriptures remind us that it's better to give than to receive and 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 p- if you're not a faith-based person, we could talk about the example of Christmas gifts or, or a birthday gifts. When we give the gift to someone, we, we love to see the joy in the other person's right. face, right? Yeah, And we get right. so much out of that. And so so I would say selflessness is a culture that's pretty unique to our company, I think. Mm, that's awesome. Cool. Well, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest and hire? I look for um, being being selfless. I, I really look for that. You know, and, um, you know I look for organization. Uh, I look for humility. In fact, humility is number one above all. If if you're not humble, then we could stop the conversation. Right, right. And and we we do humility uh, in a very unique way in that we ask for the referrals reference of of. So we we do referrals of the referral. Do take it two levels, two yeah. two mm-hmm. layers down, mm-hmm. sometimes three layers down. We can't get to the nitty gritty, you know, and 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 so usually you could tell a person's character after the second layer. And so, right. and so we, we, I think we do that pretty well. And, and we learned that after 10 years of making mistakes here. Well, we talked a little early on about how we share C12 in common. And, you know, my story is uh, the, 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 the chair that uh, I lead. I've known for 35 years. He and I worked together in a corporate job way back when, when we were in short pants and short sleeve shirts. Yes. And, uh, you know, we've been hanging out with him through the New Canaan Society on the East Coast for a number of years. And, uh, you know, he was going to do this, and I thought, oh, this is perfect for you. Because I was familiar with Vistage, you know, some of the sectarian yes. CEO roundtables. And, you know, he I was honored when he invited me to be his uh, one of his founding members. And we're about seven or eight now, and, you know, we'll probably be a, a dozen by the end of this year. Um, how did you find out about C12, and w- what attracted you to that organization? My friend uh, Todd emailed me about the C12 group, and he told me to join this, um, this networking group. And I immediately told him that... Um, I don't, I don't want to join another networking group. I was, I was in plenty. He told me it's not that kind of networking group. It's a Christian CEO group, and you, you, you would really enjoy it. So I, I went to the first. I'm, I'm, part of the, I'm one of the founding members, too, so I went. And um, I emailed Todd six months later. I said, Todd, how come you told me to join? How come you're not joining? And so six months later, Todd's joined our group. And so, yeah, <laughs> so great. really, really loved it from day one. Really loved it. Yeah, and so you go in the Austin area. Are there a number of groups there? Oh, we're in the Houston area. Oh, the Houston area. Got it. Got it. Cool. Terrific. Great. And would you say that um, your C12 membership, well, let me start by saying I kind of treat them as my non-executive board. You know, like you, I have a small business, about 10 employees, five full-time, five, you know, remote and and virtual. And, you know, I don't, it's lonely at the top sometimes, right? And uh, I don't have a formal board. My wife, of course, is involved in the business and, you know, she's, she's really good. I always like to think that she's the closest thing I hear to the voice of God. Uh, when I'm, you know, pondering something, she'll be super honest with me, but I love C12 because I can bring business ideas just like I did yesterday on pricing and say, Hey guys, what do you think? You know, you know me, what, what's this about? And you know, they either throw the poop ball at me or they say, Hey, charge ahead. This sounds good. Um, you know, what, what do you kind of think of it as, and how, how do you treat that, uh, that relationship and what, what, what are some of the things you've gotten out of it? I think first and foremost is accountability having uh, brothers and sisters that will keep me accountable 
to make sure that I don't run after the love of money, uh, <laughs> right, the love right. of pa- the love of power, the love of control, yeah, greed, all, yeah. all the things that we struggle with as leaders, and and to protect me from that, you know. And I think that is so invaluable because we see so many leaders, you know, they get into sexual sins, they get into uh, uh, just messy, messy things, you know, buying buying big houses, big cars. There's nothing wrong with that, but using company money to grow your personal pocket. We, we, we've seen that over and over. And so I just, I just so value C12 in, in talking about that. And, 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 and the second thing is wisdom. I mean, just really godly wisdom. If, if I have any issues that I go through, I could always go to them, you know? And then, and then the last thing is what you just shared is that you feel lonely on the top. There is great camaraderie. There's great fellowship, right? Absolutely. You're, you're not alone. There's other people out here that are doing exactly what you're doing. So we're, we're in this together. And when we do it together, it's just so much more fun, so much more exciting. And so I, I would say those three things are, are tops for me, you know, being C12. Yeah. And how long have you been in the organization? C12 came into Houston six years ago. So I've been, I've been in it for six years. Yes. Wow. That's awesome. Cool. Well, as a newbie, that's very encouraging. I hope to be continue to get those things out. Well, Simon Lee, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you so much. We always ask one last question, and, and as we talked before the five podcast, you know, most of our audience are, you know, middle market executives, many CEOs like yourselves, but also those that aspire to the C-suite. And, uh, you know, just want to kind of finish off with, you know, what kind of career and life advice would you give to someone who has their own eyes on a corner office or, or perhaps wants to be an entrepreneur like yourself? You know, I am, I'm turning 45 next year, so I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting, you know, there where, where in my mid-40s, I feel like that I've learn one thing and that is to be content at all times i i think when an entrepreneur or someone that wants to be in business it is really easy for us to want more and more and if we're not content with what we're at right now then it'll be very difficult because when you when you grow more you're going to want more and so there is never there's never a satisfaction you know in how much you make or how much profit you have or how much top line you grow and 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 the secret to life and in business and in all things is that no matter what stage we're at in business or in life we had to we have to be content we have to say hey you know i'm i'm really grateful yeah, even though we might be in a down season maybe i'm going through a trial i'm i'm just content the fact that i'm even breathing that i that i'm <laughs> you know that that i could even face this problem and so Having a very positive outlook on things is so important because, as we just talked earlier, greed uh, is the enemy to success. You know, and so if if we're if we're greedy and we all struggle with this, I mean, we we got to be honest with ourselves. Even even the more ma- the most mature person out there struggles with greed, and so so I think I think being being content as a, as a leader. Um, now now contentment does not mean that we don't grow in our character in a pursuit of excellence that's it's not, not complacency that's yeah, not right? complacency in fact in fact contentment is very active you know in, in pursuing what's right in pursuing what's good you know and, and so and so that's that's what I meant and I think I think your listeners will understand that yeah Simon thank you again so much for sharing your journey into the corner office yeah it's my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. 
For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the Mighty Middle Market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.